It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Get up. Get, get, get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, episode number 147. This should be the last one where we do not talk about any offseason moves because the World Series should be over by next week. But we have a bunch of great stuff to talk about in today's episode. Plenty. We did an interview with Jay Horowitz, which you guys can go check out. Uh, the amazing Mets alumni podcast, I believe it's called, or some variation of that. We were hanging out with Omar Manaya today, which is going to be a lot hours, of fun. A yeah, couple that hours. Only, only, we didn't even get halfway through. Didn't even get halfway through. Not even close. We got Silver Slugger stuff to talk about. Buck Ooh, being nominated Silver manager Slugger of the year. Stuff. Wow. Justin Turner rumor, maybe. We'll talk about that as the only thing. And we'll talk about the first two games of the World Series, along with the big, what you guys have been waiting for all offseason, the minor league breakdown. We're, we're wrapping up the minor league season here, talking about everybody who had a good year out there. And John's got some trivia for us, too, as well. So... You guys know the drill. If you like us, if you're enjoying what you're seeing here, make sure you're following us on all our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube video, it's on the New York Mets YouTube channel. Go over there and subscribe. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a rating, review, download, and subscribe. James, I don't have to bring you in. You already spoke, but yeah. how are you feeling? Feel good. I mean, that interview with Omar was nuts. The interview with Jay last week that you guys should listen to was also a lot of fun. We've already been there parsing those out onto TikTok and Instagram Reels. Shout out to Vito for yeah. making some good edits. Great editor, producer Vito. Say hi to the people, Vito. First hey. time on the mic. Hey, guys. Thank you. I've, I've been having a lot of fun putting those little Instagrams and TikToks together. They, I mean, they look, they're very whimsical. They're I hilarious. Like I like them. A lot yeah. of zoom ins and jump cuts. Yes, and love funny, funny, funny little graphics. But the TikTok's going to be more. <laughs> You know, more active now with Vito at the helm. So you guys keep an eye out for that. That's what and, we've been missing. Yeah, and then Omar eventually. I don't know when's actually going to come out. It's going to be like an eight-part series. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a thirty for thirty, just about every single thing that happened in the Mets from like two thousand five to two thousand ten, which that was that was like our prime of Mets fans. So I hope a lot of you guys were maybe of similar age, a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger. You guys missed that era. You guys will enjoy that a lot. But do you think uh, nine, ten-year-old Mark and James ever thought they'd be talking to Omar Manaya? Not just for like a small chance. Not just like a hey, how are you? But like two hours, and now we're gonna do another couple hours <laughs> being complimented by Omar Manaya. Yeah, that'd be nice. Getting stories from Omar Manaya. Uh, yeah, that was, it was it was pretty amazing. That was uh, like a little every single time we do this, like a little culmination, like yeah. one more step forward, one more cool thing. It's cool. At some point, you know, it's it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk about some Mets stuff here. At first, Silver Slugger nominations. The Mets had. A ton of them because they had a really good season. A so lot of good hitters. So see, appropriate time to use the word a litany. Yeah, a litany. Okay, nice. S A T word of the day. Haven't haven't dropped that on you guys in a while. We've been so focused on baseball. When we first started the podcast, the Mets were not playing so well, so we we could just drop in those fun S A T words. Now yeah. it's all baseball. But as we know, it's the off season. So at first base, of course, the Mets got Pete Alonso. He's going up against Goldschmidt, Freeman, Olsen, and Christian Walker. Pete Alonso is my pick. No kidding. I think Goldschmidt will probably win. <laughs> or Freeman. <laughs> yeah, Freeman. It's a really tough position there. Definitely definitely third, though. Yeah, definitely, definitely third. Second base, we got Jeff McNeil, who got uh, nominated, going up against Jake Cronenworth, Cattell Marte, Colton Wong, and Brendan Rodgers. If Jeff McNeil does not win this... I was going to say, he has to be the odds-on favorite. Right? Riots. Ca- riots How many in the games did Cattell Marte even play this year? That's crazy he's on here. He also, I think, had a bad year. I don't think he even played well, because he was well, on my fantasy team. Good. He, he got hot and cold at times. I'm going to get his at-bats here, because that's just kind of ridiculous. But yeah, it should 100% be Jeff McNeil. Not even five. 
500 at bats. Not even 500. How does he qualify? Yeah, I mean, 558 plate appearances, 137 games. Like that part of it's not crazy, but 12 homers and a <laughs> that's <laughs> two for the average. That's anemic. It's got to be Jeff McNeil. 102 WRC plus is probably Jeff McNeil here. I mean, batting title and he was also Colin great. Wong sneaky had a good year. I don't care. I no, don't no, care. it should be Jeff McNeil the best year in that list for sure. Didn't get anyone at third base as we know. Shortstop, we did get someone though. We got Francisco Lindor, which that makes a lot of sense going up against Trey Turner, Willie Adamas, and Dansby Swanson. This one's close. You probably won't win it though. This that's one's probably close. for Turner, and then they'll probably give Dansby the gold glove and it'll just be another chip on Lindor's shoulders for next year. Yeah, I feel like if this was maybe like 1984, yeah. Francisco Lindor could have it locked up because he drove mm. in a ton of runs. Ah, but Trey Turner the higher batting average. Mm, so 1984, point. I think he still finds a way to that's lose. A good point. Maybe. Okay, it'd be, it'd be close. It'd be close. Yeah. In the outfield, a couple Mets as well, which I like to see because these guys definitely deserve to get some recognition offensively. Starling Marte and Brandon Nimmo. They go in, they're going up against Mookie Betts, Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, Jock Peterson, Michael Harris, Brian Reynolds, and Hunter Renfro. So, I, I think both of those guys legit have a chance because they pick three, right? So Hunter Renfro has shockingly good year. I was about to chastise that pick, but he actually played quite well this year. Yeah, no, he did. Uh, Jock obviously had the hot start to the Why year. Would, yeah, with Nimmo. No reason Nimmo shouldn't win that. Or Marte, even. I, I know Marte didn't too. You know, play at the end of the year. Uh, but I mean, I think Harris, Harris and Mookie is going to be hard to defeat. It's going to be hard to beat. Schwarber as well, maybe, with the home runs. Yeah, yeah. maybe we get one in there. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to sneak in one in outfield. And as well, Jeff McNeil got nominated again. This time at the utility position because they also have utility mm. for Silver Sluggers. So he could, in theory, and he should based on this list, yeah. win two Silver Sluggers in one year, which I don't think has ever yeah, been done before. Everyone is so horny for Tommy Edmond after this year <laughs> that they're going to find a way to give him as many awards as possible they probably does not deserve. Going up against Brandon Drury, Edmond, Tyro Estrada, and Chris Taylor. Edmond yeah. did have a great year, though. I want to chastise Edmond, but I think Jeff McDill's had a better one, way especially better if year. you just say the plate. Just strictly hitting. Yes. Just strictly hitting. There's no, almost no argument there. It's got to be Jeff McNeil. Tyro Estrada is a finalist. Yeah. Tyler Estrada had a sneaky good year. He had a good year. He was on my fantasy he had team a as well. 104 OPS plus. I think the bigger gripe is Chris Taylor. I don't think Chris Taylor yeah, should yeah, be anywhere close to reputation. Yeah. Tyro Estrada carried me in like my deepest fantasy baseball league because he just I took him in like the 47th round just based just based on the fact that he had like really good AAA stats last year and a great barrel rate and a very small sample and he just played every single day. Tyro Estrada was day. part of the great players that I was able to pick up on the waiver wire this year to really boost up my dynasty team in the league I'm in with you. So Absolutely. I, I know for sure he had a great year. And then we got Buckshaw Walter being nominated for the National League Manager of the Year. Yep. I mean, they had a great year. Great they year. Had a great year. Yeah, Tons great of great year. people out there. Good luck to Buck. Yeah, good luck, Bring Buck. another one home for the Mets. Let's good do it. Good luck, Buck. Good luck, Buck. Good luck, Buck. Good luck, Buck. And then, I guess, we'll just talk about the World Series briefly, right? I mean, we should. It was too. It was an unbelievable weekend of baseball. It was a really good weekend. Like, both uh, games were good. I mean, one game was good because it was a good game, and another game was really good because the Phillies got smoked. Would have preferred uh, if Dusty Baker woke up a little bit in game one and didn't let Justin Verlander go out there again because... Don't like that the Phillies were able to sneak one away when they were down 5 nothing. Yeah, for all the people out there maybe you aren't as closely tuned into the World Series. It's possible. I, I mean, I wasn't super closely tuned in until the World Series. The Astros jumped out to a big lead against Aaron Nola and the Phillies. Hit him well. Yes, and then Justin Verlander just kind of let it bleed away. Bleed away, bleed away, bleed away. And I do feel like, as a manager, it, there has to be a little bit of like a discomfort in the fact that you're like absolute your your ace the Cy Young in the American League probably yeah the guy who was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball this year one of the best pitchers in the last generation of baseball he just is he continues to not be able to get it done in the World Series I think after that game any pitcher with at least 30 innings pitch he has the highest World Series ERA of all time yes he does so statistically Justin Verlander might be the worst World Series pitcher ever <laughs> but it's always something that you almost you because you're not going to take that as bond like a 30 inning sample and you, you can't you almost can't believe he's still going to be this ineffective right yeah I mean like 
at some point you think he's got to figure it out because he's just he's so good. And we you just saw him pitch off of Tommy John a phenomenal year, but at the same time, sometimes guys just can't get it done in that scenario. Maybe that's the case. I mean, we've seen it with the Dodgers. You look at the Dodgers every year, and you go, they should win the World Series. On paper, that's the best team in baseball, arguably, and they haven't won a real World Series since the 80s. So, I mean, the old format, they would have won plenty of World Series. Like all those Yankee World Series, Dodgers yeah. would have won half of When those. there was eight teams in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then one team one team straight from the National League to the World Series. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with uh, you know Verlander in the postseason. It's tough, but... Again, we're not an Astros podcast, so we don't even have to really worry about it too much. <laughs> I want to look at it briefly. Though. I kind of, I kind of miss like being able to look at this stuff. Like, yeah, go take a look. The, the velocity's fine. Like, what's crazy is he was perfect. Yeah, yeah. nine up, nine down. And it, and it felt like that that's, was going to be it. That's like the curse almost too, though. Is that because he was perfect? It almost gives like a false sense of security to a manager, where it's like, well, he was so dominant, and then it must just be one batting. Must just been a fluke. Here's the big thing here, John. Justin Verlander didn't get any whiffs with a slider. Mm. And you only got one with non-fastball. That's big. So I think you feel like as a manager, maybe you saw that a time through, that these pitches aren't really biting. That could have been your inclination, and maybe you only cap in four or five. But then it's like, a, it's like it's a respect thing. Like, you're going to take Justin Verlander out of a World Series in the game in the fourth inning? Yeah. I mean, I it also, it also comes down to, too, that the offense stopped hitting as well after they put up five. For sure. They completely stopped against the Phillies bullpen that we know is very hittable. So. It is very hittable, but you got really, to gotta give credit it? where it's due. They've been hittable. awesome. Yes. They've been awesome this whole postseason run. <laughs> cool, yeah, they have. But uh, Jose Alvarado coming into it, you felt confident? Since, since Jose Alvarado came back up to the major leagues after his, like, stint down, he's been incredibly effective. Eflin's Zach the one Eflin, guy I'll give credit Zach to. Zach Eflin's a dude. I've loved Zach Eflin I'll give, forever. I'll give Eflin credit all the, day. the patellar issue. We learned how to follow through only about four years ago now. If the Phillies are smart, he'll never start another game for them yeah i oh, mean that's for anthony dominguez sure anthony's anthony got good stuff it's all right we have to talk about this for a second because it's pretty upsetting and aggravating that the phillies are like on, on the doorstep of winning a world series with the mets strategy yeah having two two monsters and then the freakiest closer you can find yeah just the fact that their monsters are a little bit younger and their closer isn't is percent we don't perceive him as being as good Sir Anthony Dominguez has been one of the best players in the entire postseason he's like he's, he's been the, really good it's the birth of a superstar he's right been now. lights the out way it's he comes into the game, and it's almost like there's no chance for anybody to get a hit. He'd made like, Jordan Alvarez look bad. Yeah. It's tough to make Jordan look bad. I don't know. That, that part of it is especially frustrating for me. David Robertson, though, looks very hittable. So and if hittable. you're the Astros, you want David Robertson to come in in the ninth again. because They had him on the ropes in the 10th inning. Helenmas <laughs> Diaz with uh. a historically, historically <laughs> bad at-bat <laughs> for a guy who looked like he had zero interest in hitting. I, I've never seen someone like that overtly showing they don't want to be in a moment at all. I was at um I was at a Halloween party Friday night and I went we're watching the game a little bit there. How was the Halloween party? Great time Halloween party. Where'd you wear? Ooh, good question. Yeah. I uh so I get try to get creative with Halloween. I don't like to buy anything. So (laughs) (laughs) You're a capitalist now. Come on. uh, Two jobs. Absolutely not. That's not how it works. I have this black silk robe that I'll wear sometimes, like certain concerts, or even sometimes just like around my house to be kind of frisky Yeah, some once in a while. Brooklyn John. I didn't know that they did that in Brooklyn. All right. Yeah, you can do that. So, I mean, if some, one time I wore it with, like, black jeans, like a black T-shirt, and it was, like, a formal look. It you've, was isolated. You've seen nothing, but, John. You've seen nothing. Yeah, you don't know anything about James outside of City Field. But I, so I rocked, I rocked that with, <laughs> with a guinea tea <laughs> or whatever proper term we should use for that. I don't that, think that's the one, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what's the other one? Shiano, you'll be all right. Oh, yeah, the other one's worse. Yeah, the other one's Shiano. worse. Right. That, that style of white tank top with the lines that everybody knows, that's a little undershirt, bit tight. Undershirt, undershirt. Yeah, but it's not an undershirt, was, it, was, it was a tank top. It's, it's, a, it's like it's a white, top for men. It was a white under tank, whatever. <laughs> Put in the log, you know. I mean, of the two options, I thought that one was better. Glad you said it, not me. <laughs> and I wore that with gray sweatpants, and I had a newspaper with me, and I was a stay-at-home dad. 
That's why. That's I, funny. Yeah, it's my aspiration, and, and it cost you nothing. Yeah, you know, it cost me nothing, and, and it was a big hit. I was scrambling. Huge I thought hit. I was going to make like it to that. that party. I was scrambling yeah. for ideas. I yeah, didn't no, I invited Mark to the party, and he was like, "I'm going to go out and need a costume." And the last second, he's like, "I'm not coming." I was yeah, like, All right, no, whatever. Listen, in retrospect, it was good because we did have a day on Saturday. Yeah, we, we did had have a day quite Saturday. a day on Saturday. You had more of a day. But so I went after that to a bar in Greenpoint. Shout out to Twins Lounge. It's definitely more of like a like a funky Brooklyn bar rather than a place with like beer and sports. Mm. And even though there is good beer there, but no TVs. So I was sitting in the corner literally by myself watching the game on my phone, like banging nice. on the bar. Like I separated from all the people I went with. I was like, I'm going to watch baseball for 20 minutes. And then I, and then I went back. I let Ms. Diaz, man. It was just like, I, I've never seen someone and not want it more. David Robertson was on the ropes. So too. on the ropes. Like the only guy who wanted it less than David Robertson happened to be the guy that yeah. played Aled Ms. Diaz. Because that Robertson wanted nothing to do with that. And I mean, you got to shout out the Phillies in that game. They kept Jordan off the board. Altuve only got a hit late. Like they, I mean, I just guys, they, they're playing good baseball right now. <laughs> like as much can't. as you hate them, like Kyle Tucker's been really incredible. Yeah. He's one of the best players in baseball. And I'm happy that a lot more of the world is starting to realize that. Alex Bregman is just, he's statistically one of like, the best World Series player ever now one at this point. Yeah. As far as their basements go especially, but the Phillies got tight when they had to. And they, that that was a massive win for them. It changed the entire complexion of the series. Astros dominated game two. Dominated game yeah. two. Yeah. Dominated game, game two. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even close. Game three will be happening as we are currently recording this, yeah. basically. Uh, no, no, Noah Syndergaard uh, bounced out of this one. He's not yeah, making I mean, the start. Sometimes the moment's too big. You know, you, we can understand that. You know, yeah. he skipped the game against the Mets too. That just happened. Skipped a couple games against the Mets. Yeah, I mean, also like if I'm the Phillies, like I'm not stupid here. Like he's a guy who can only give you three, four innings max. Yeah, like, I want to, I want to push that back until we absolutely know we need it. Especially after they did use Ranger Suarez in relief in game one. Yeah. So they needed that extra rain delay, rain day <sighs> buffer. I Lucky. Know, I mean, hey, sometimes you get lucky. That's kind of how baseball works. Team of destiny vibes is too much right now. You if, guys mentioned game two. Yeah. The real MVP of this World Series so far. I'm sure you guys have seen this. Pat Hoberg. 129 out of 129 properly called non-swung at pitches. And I do believe he is the highest scored umpire in baseball during the regular season as well. And then in the World Series with literally the world watching you to be perfect. Perfect. That's good. That's really one of good. the greatest feats in baseball history <laughs> when you think about it. Okay, harder. Yeah, no, never mind, never mind. I'm not going to ask. Nope. I'm going to hold that one. I was going to ask a dumb uh, question. Wait, here, I have one. Two grand slams in one inning. Fernando Tatis. Yeah, yeah that's that, probably That's going there. down. It's probably one of the craziest I don't. I mean, cra crazy? Sure. But, like, you need the bases to be loaded. That's true. It's not about like, you. Like, you're just hitting the home yeah. run. Pat Holberg was 129 for 129 in a World Series he was, game. He was Didn't Burley have 14 straight perfect innings? Go after his yeah, Dwayne Wise so. saved. Yeah. Perf uh, I, maybe. Because I, I remember know. he went in a little bit into the next game with one, too. That was one of the most impressive feats. No, but you're right. That, especially... On a stage like that, and we've seen umpires uh, like alter, alter series before. Yeah. Like it's cool to see it pure, especially with barking from both sides. Definitely, like, there's studies about this with umpires and any referees. Like when home crowd and you know, there's a lot of influences that impact human beings. Of course. So to not let any of that excess noise impact the way that you are going about officiating on in a World Series game. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I umpired some Little League Baseball in my day. And, uh, you know, I, I, I dabbled. I pride myself as someone who knows the strike zone pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Can we, so we've, we've had John the ball boy. Can we get John the umpire for something? Uh, we got to get John the umpire for something. John umpire no, game. not Major League Game. No, maybe, I wouldn't want to Maybe, wanna, yeah. maybe get him out either. to a, a Little League field and let yeah, John yeah, yeah. umpire. Put maybe the, maybe we, we develop our teams. Lace up the cleats again, John. Oh, I, I, but I wear the bubble chest protector over course, the shirt. Of course. You, do you do the hold in front or do you just wear I'm it? holding it in front. All right. Yeah. Wow. All right. Old school. Because you don't want to get caught in the collarbone. You want to have the ability to move that thing around. We got to hear the strike call. What do you want to hear? Strike one yeah. or two or three? I mean, there's they're all different. Right, well, go <laughs> one, two, three. Yeah, give us one, all two, right. three. All right. 
Drag one. That's good. That's mm. strong. That's right. a strong call. Two. Yeah, I there like two. Go. I like two. Drag three. That's, <laughs> That's pretty good. Go oh, on, and the two. punch. The oh, punch right. as well. I mean, we're always punching. Yeah, I we're like always punching. Punch. Anyway. Like yeah, anyway. <laughs> I made a kid um, cry once. Really? Uh, it, was, oh. it was a girl from our high school's younger brother. And I got very dirty looks for her the, I, every single time I ever saw her I, again. Um, I was more of a basketball referee than I was an umpire. I just it was more prolific. I, um, I one time had to officiate through a massive brawl of fourth and fifth graders. No, nice. in Magus Elementary School. There was like there was like a minute and a half left in the game, and I was there. The way we set it up always, there was like an older ref and a younger ref. I was like, oh yeah, I was like a sophomore in high school at the time. That, yeah. I think the other kid was like a college kid coming back or even a senior. And um, it was just like a chippy game. There was like one. It's like whenever there was like, these like young basketball leagues, always like that one big kid. Yeah. And the kid was just he was a big kid, and he was like he had a lot of mass to him. He had a lot of size, and he he was getting hacked. I'm not gonna call every one of those fouls. You can never call every one of those fouls. And I was getting chirped by his dad the entire game. Rec league. Yeah. Oh, of course. Nice. It was the uh, it was rec league. It wasn't CYO. So okay. it was a little. His parents were much less tame. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, depending on the day, sometimes you never know. We can go back and forth, but. The other team had like a very aggressive point guard. I remember this vividly, especially because he was someone we went to school with, his younger brother. Okay. Zubair, Azad. Oh, nice. Okay. Yes. So, um, and there was just a play where they basically came to each other at the front court, like the two stars, and there was a shove. <laughs> and then another oh. kid jumped in, and it was like, we were just like grabbing arms and bodies That's and like, awesome. se- like separating children. And the craziest part, the first thing is we didn't end the game. We didn't finish the game. We yeah. just got everyone off the court. People were pissed about that. Crazy part about the story is a few months later in the in the summers I was a lifeguard at the town pool, and I'm sitting in uh, Westfield Memorial Pool. They had a beautiful water slide, one of their best features. And I'm sitting <laughs> in the bottom of the slide, like taking guys through the bottom of the slide. It's a good slide. Great slide. I'm in the pool, like lounging. I got my float. I'm hanging out. I got the whistle floating. We're having a good time, and <laughs> someone comes behind me and said, "Hey." And I turned back, and it was the dad of the big kid <laughs> oh, no. from the rec league game. Let and, it go, and man. And I, I had to sit there for the next, like, 15 minutes because that was how long the post took. And he chirped me the whole time. Let it about go. About rec league basketball, his son getting not getting foul calls oh, in January. What a loser. This was July. What a loser move. Good yeah. memory. Well, that was, yeah, that was my story from, uh, from that was all our stories from officiating yeah. games. And that just shows the true appreciation we can have for perfection of Pat Absolutely. Oberg. What a job. What a job. And we should wrap up World Series. I want to say one one stat before we go. Something I told Mark on Saturday that was pretty disheartening. Yeah. If, if the Phillies do wrap this up <coughs> and do the whole thing, I'm not going to say the sentence, but no, if they no, do no. finish it, they, this will be the third consecutive full season of Major League Baseball <laughs> that the Astros lost the World Series to a team from the National League East with less than 95 wins. Oh, well, if that happens, the third consecutive like, season. Sounds like we're due if that happens. I mean, theoretically, yeah. Or we really missed the boat. <laughs> <laughs> either way, third, not, the third straight year. Either way, we don't have one this year. And this will absolutely completely destroy any dynasty that they thought they were building in Houston. Yeah, it's like the best. This is a big dynasty. Te- but this is a huge teether moment for a dynasty. Yeah, hundred percent. If they lose, is it not a dynasty? Like I don't think. Sure? I don't no think way. you can. I don't know. It's like it is in all sense of like. We understand what they've built there. No, it's an impressive run, but it's definitely not a dynasty. It's not enough championships. Like, are the, titles are the, bills, titles. And you, and you are the Bills a dynasty when they had that run where they kept losing every year? Certainly not. Yeah, so. 100% no. I, I guess think... history says no. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, like, it's so hard to get there over and over and For over sure. and over. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take I'll take yeah. what the Astros have done. I'll take it 10 times all over. Day. But it's just, I don't think they can be considered. I think it'll, the, the, this World Series, it really changes the full perspective of how we're going to view this generation of Astros teams. Definitely. And even the generation of baseball in general, because then you lose that one dominant team, it just becomes this hodgepodge of bad National League East teams that weren't the Mets <laughs> winning World Series. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's end it on that note. Let's end sure. the, the World Series talk on that note, because 
We haven't talked about the minor leagues in a long time. Yeah. Obviously, the season's over. No kidding. Thanks for that one, Mark. Actually, months. Yeah, it's been a really <laughs> long time. And Get too busy. You guys always tell us you love to hear about the minor league stuff whenever we talk about it because there's not really a great place to get a lot of this information if you're a Mets fan. So let's go ahead and start talking about that. I did a super, super, super deep dive into all the guys that had good years. If you don't hear us talk about a player, <laughs> it's probably because they had a disappointing year. Uh, guys like Brett Beatty, Francisco Alvarez, guys who made it up to the majors, not going to even talk about them because about they made them. it to the majors. You heard about them. They've done well. And we're also not going to talk about the picks from the past year, like Jet Williams, Kevin Parada, just because their samples are so incredibly small. Blade. It's not really worth speaking about yet. They all played well. We should, yeah, we should at least mention that all three of those guys had very encouraging starts to their careers, especially in a Mets team right now where they're really looking for impact pitching prospects. Blade Tidwell got rave reviews, looks reviews awesome. from scouts. Fastball slider, both look amazing. He has that true, that size of a frontline pitcher. Big shoulders. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a big fella. So... We're really excited about all three of those guys. Hopefully, we maybe talk to them at some point in the future or tell you guys more about them when they play more, but push those off for now. Yes, so let's talk about Alex Ramirez, who is probably the highest-ranked prospect that we can talk about. Mets are losing a lot of guys. He might be might be their number one, possibly, going into next year. I think he's definitely number one, yeah. right? Depending yeah, I think on, he should yeah, be. Depending on how you compare him to Mauricio. But he had a really good year. Uh, second year, this was a guy that you found before anybody was really yeah, on to him. Ago. So shout to you, James. Tip your cap there. Great year for him. 281 average, 346 on base, 436 slugging, 782 OPS. He had the highest batting average in the Mets farm system, which mm-hmm. is a nice little thing to, you know, put a, a, on your resume for Alex Ramirez, Wait. who was also young. 281 was the highest batting average in the Mets farm system. Of guys that oh, are actually, actual like Francisco Alvarez. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, those yeah. guys don't really count again. Alvarez uh, actually probably wasn't even wasn't No, he wasn't, but, like, year. you know, mm-hmm. those guys eventually did come up. Uh, 119 WRC+, plus, which was really good. And he saw a six-home run improvement from 2021, which is huge. This was a guy who was really young, playing at a pretty high level for his age. He's continuing to improve. Also cut the K rate down to 22% yeah. and walk went all the way up to eight, which is nice. That was critical for Alex Ramirez because when you have a prospect that's as tooled up as him. The tools are there. Yeah, the tools are insane. You really want to be able to see play discipline come because that's the one thing that can really hurt these guys. And we saw some meteoric rises of guys in single A this year. I think about Jackson Chorio in the Brewer system mm-hmm. who – out of nowhere, just stopped really striking out. We he still struck out a lot, but just like he married the power with the no strikeouts. Ramirez still is definitely behind that elite class of like these top ten right now prospects. Yeah. It's not to say he's not someone who can get there in the future. And a big reason for that is because he cut his K rate dramatically. Yep. He jumped he jumped a level first of all his K rate stayed the same while he started the year at St. Lucie where he played all of last year. And then he ended the year at High A and K rate was way down. And so, we know play hitting in Brooklyn's hard. And Brooklyn's very hard, and he didn't. I mean, he didn't really hit that well in Brooklyn. He's only six percent better than league average in terms of WRC plus. But just the fact he was able to go there and not struggle. And he's what 20, 19? He's still nineteen. Yes. He finished season nineteen, so we'll play next year at twenty. He'll reach double A at twenty years old, which is that kind of like elite level. Yep. And it just comes down to whether he can draw the walks and keep the strikeouts down and find the power because he's still he's still more tools than production, especially in terms of power. Yes. He's got the long lever. He's got like the twitched up body. But, like we need to see that become. Power, 100%. And it's not, there's no, not saying it can't. There's also not no saying that it will. I've just, I don't know. I've become more, I've started to think prospects so much more in terms of, like, data and stats in the last, like, year or so. Just, like, working with more, like, data at work. And, like, he has a lot of what you want to see, but we still need to see one more level before we're, like, this guy yeah. is elite. Yeah, oh, 100%. I think that's a completely But, like, everything thing. he's put in this foundation, it's everything you want to see from a guy at this age level in production. Speaking of another prospect, we got Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, you guys obviously know he's been one of the top prospects in the mess system for a long time. He had a pretty decent year as well, uh, 259 average, 296 on base, 472 slugging, 767 OPS. That is the highest slugging percentage of his career, which is big. Huge. That also builds into the next stats I'm going to tell you about. 26 homers and 20 stolen bases. It's kind of sick for a guy who can Super be a 2020 guy at the age, I think he's what, 20, 21 years old as well. He's another young buck. 
Most home runs by anyone not named Francisco Alvarez in the farm system, so that's a cool thing. Daniel Palka, I think, technically tied him, but that's whatever. John's boy. He also had the most RBIs in the Mets farm system and fifth most stolen bases. The problem with Ronnie is that he doesn't walk. No. He's never going to walk. I think I've just accepted that he's never going to learn how to walk. But he did cut down the Ks a bit this year, so that's something to you know keep in mind, especially when he showed a boost of power. And he was able to jump a level and not seem to get crushed. Yeah. That was a big deal. Like, the fact that Ronnie Mercy was able to go to double-A and be able to play good baseball, still be better than league average, still just 21-year-old, which is still young for the level, that's a big deal. And the power is real, and the speed is real. The speed's even funny, because there have been some videos going around of him in the uh, – the, the, the Winter League. He's playing for Lise. He's playing so good, by the way. Yes, I got his he, numbers. I think he was just player of the week or the month or something. He just got a war there. I saw ten, it on Lise's Instagram. Ten games, two homers, five doubles, 11 RBI. Stole five bases, and he has a 1068 OPS. Yeah, the inside the park home run, too. That's what I'm talking about, because a guy like Ryan Mauricio is so big. We've compared him to Brandon Marshall on this show before. Yeah. He's, like, really that large. Like, I think he's I think he's 6'5", I want to say. He's six, huge. 6'3", six, and he's listed at 170. There's no way. He's 170 Baseball pounds. reference has him at 222 now. Wow. Yeah. What about the height? 6'3". Okay, still 6'3". But 6'3", 222, that is an NFL wide receiver. Literally. And he he has those big, long strides. And when he like gets going, he can really go, which is impressive to be able to steal so many bases without that kind of jump and head 100%. start. But the fact that he has been able to stick a shortstop and get at least moderately good reviews there, I think that raises his floor, something we've talked about. I, th- I think... No doubt, there's going to be something here with Ronnie. I don't know what it is, and this isn't a bold statement by any means because he's been a top prospect forever. But I think there's something here with Ronnie that's cooking, where you're like, this guy's going to be a ball player and he's going to have some value. We also just heard just from people that we know in the industry, and then also from everyone that's been talking for the last couple of years that he's been the center of a lot of trade negotiations. We don't know whether or not that was actually true this year, but years past we've heard so. He's a guy that's, that's still coveted. He still is a guy with a big, big tool bag. And sometimes it just takes guys a little longer to actually find that, that stride. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before we get going into some more pitchers, I do have a couple more hitters I just want to briefly mention here in the prospect report. I, was, I wanted to give one more comparison. There's a lofty oh, comparison. Oh, go for it, go for it. Just, it took O'Neill to cruise, so he was 24 to make reach the major leagues. I think it's a fair comparison. Yeah, I think it's like, a fair comparison. Ronnie, I, don't think, I still don't think Ronnie has that ceiling just because he doesn't have the exit velocities. O'Neill Cruz showed that similar age. O'Neill Cruz already hitting the ball 115 miles an hour when he was 21. Ronnie's still hitting like in that 106, 108 range, which is still above average, but it's not that. But it's just sometimes when you're a bigger guy like that and you just kind of have a lot more limbs to deal with, it takes a little bit longer. Yep. So now to talk about the other guy, because now I got some I got some quiet guys that maybe uh, yeah, aren't hearing too much about. Wyatt Young. I love this dude. This dude's going to be a ball player, no doubt. Again, I don't think he's going to be MVP, all-star kind of thing necessarily, but he's going to be he's going to be on this Mets team at some point. We talked about him briefly in our one of our last prospect reports. He's going to be season. a player. He's going to be a player. 270 average, 369 on base, 383 slugging, 752 OPS. Basically played every single level this year. How old is he? He is, where did I put it? I think he's like 23. Yeah. 23. He's 23, technically still 22, but he's going to be 23 next year. He just had a really really good year. Showed a little bit of pop, 7 homers, 20 doubles. He walked 70 times. He had the highest on-base percentage in the Mets farm system for guys that weren't in the Dominican Summer League. So, Is there a catch? Well, I mean, he doesn't really hit for any power. Oh. That's pretty much the biggest thing. I'm, and seeing, he's, I'm seeing here he's also, he's also my size. Yes, he's 5'7", 185. Yeah, so yeah. A, little, a little thicker than me, but yeah. yeah. He's, he's a ball player. Baseball rat. 13% of the time, struck out under 20%. There's something there. There's, and he plays second, short, and third base. 
utility guy. Definitely seems like something there. Seems like a guy who is probably very useful at some point for any team. We had a couple other guys I want to mention too. Omar De Los Santos. Now, this guy is a weird story because he was a 22-year-old playing in St. Lucie, but kind of had a sick year. Uh, take that for what it is, playing way above his age. But he had a 272 average with a 339 on base, 798 OPS. He stole 70 bases this year That's at ridiculous. A-ball. 70. That's tied for the most in minor league baseball. And stealing bases at that level, because the rules were a little bit different, they have the pickoff rules actually coming to the major leagues next year. We're only allowed three throws over. Something like that. Yeah, and I don't know if they had the big bases or not, but it's almost like a, it's almost like a test in baseball acumen if you can mm-hmm. dominate that level just on the base pass. Like, I am better than these guys at this thing, and I will use that advantage completely to the fullest. Yeah. So cool to see that. Stole 70 bases with 16 homers, 23 doubles, and five triples. I mean, there's, there's some... Raw talent there. Again, same thing. A lot of these guys, you'll be hearing that about. Last two guys I'm going to mention here on the offensive side before we start, you know, talking about pitchers in Arizona Fall League. Jesus Baez is going to be the hot international prospect that the Mets have this offseason. 18th, according to Baseball America. He's a 17-year-old. Probably going to end up playing third base because of his size. Um, But he has really good power and really good arm. And he had a good 54 games in the Dominican Summer League. Seven homers, nine doubles. Good good little year. It's crazy. He's already listed as 180 pounds, a 17-year-old. Yes. Uh, and That's what's awesome. crazy is he can still grow because he is a child. Yeah, 17. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, 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 years could, be, he could be six feet by yeah. the next time we're talking about him. <laughs> he could be that right now. <laughs> he really could be, honestly. <laughs> I don't know the last time they measured Jesus Baez. Uh, it's very cool, though. You like to see just those tooled-up guys that are in the system to try and, you know, Make the move to the next level. 100%. And the last guy that I found out about today, just doing some research and watching videos, I'm super excited about is William Lugo. This guy is going to be my weirdo to watch out for. Just like you haven't heard about him. But remember, graphic view, though. Mark's weirdo to watch. Yeah, remember you heard it here first on the Mets Up podcast. William Lugo, the dude hits, I, I put expletives in the notes, but he hits seeds. <laughs> the exit velos are approaching 110 on balls that I could find, and I was not really looking that hard. I will he is, where did I put his age? I put his age somewhere, did I not? I He's like 20. I think. He, oh, he is 20. He is 20 years old, yeah. and I'm p- giving him a lot of comparisons to Mark Vientos because their build, their size, their entire thing is very similar. Vientos was drafted as a shortstop. This guy was supposed to be a shortstop. He's a third baseman because he's 6'3", 230. He's an mm-hmm. absolute unit, and he hits the ball really, really hard. Played in 112 games this year, mostly between St. Lucie and Brooklyn. 14 homers, 25 doubles, 63 RBIs, 780 OPS, 121 WRC+. He's so incredibly strong. I think I think we could be seeing a Vientos-like trajectory for a guy like this. Where they get him from? I don't know, you know? where he's from. Uh, he's, no? he's an international, international? prospect. Okay, international, yeah, yeah. Yeah. international prospect. So in terms of hitting, those are the big names I really wanted to talk about. We have some other guys that are in the fall league that we'll mention too later. But I know we want to talk about a little pitching too because James has a he's, – he's a pitching whisperer. I tried to. Ooh, Luco actually got a million-dollar bonus. Okay. That's not 2018, yeah. Okay, that's something there. Keep an eye on William Lugo. Yes. Want to talk about your boy Ziegler? I do want to talk about my boy Ziegler. Good I mean, Canadian boy. Yeah, see, I don't even know if he's my boy. He's just become such like a popular pitcher at this point where yeah. it's almost like we he seemed to be the guy that the Mets were hesitant to do anything with in the offseason, the trade deadline, because it seems like there's a lot of potential in him. This year, pitched the whole year at St. Lucie, 16 starts, 46, two-thirds innings pitch, 35% strikeouts, 18% walks, which is a little bit high. He's also someone who didn't exactly have the most traditional baseball background, so yeah. I'm sure he's still trying to refine the command, especially because he has very, 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 very active fastball and slider which is his whole calling card he's even a smaller guy but just the specs on those pitches got him drafted in the second round which is even a bit ambitious I believe people thought at the time just having those two pitches I mean Ziegler has a floor of being 
at least at least a very good reliever at some point. And yeah. the ceiling is still if he can harness those two completely and even add possibly another one, even possibly not, because we've seen a lot of starters now come to the league with just those two pitches. As long as those two pitches and you have the very active fastball and the darting slider, you can do it. I think Ziegler is a prospect who he's probably still a year away from being considered like a top hundred ish guy. He still walks too many guys, yeah, still walks has too many command guys, issues. And he still he still doesn't have like a starter's build necessarily. Not yet, so yeah. there's still concerned with how much he holds up over time. But He's a guy who, like, you can't watch his stuff and not be excited about what he could possibly have. Live arm. Yes, very live arm. Another couple guys who I am excited about. A couple excited about it in different ways. One is Mike Vassell, who statistically was the most impressive Mets pitcher in the minor leagues this year. He yeah. won the Mets Minor League Pitcher of the Year award. He threw 71 in Thursday innings, 3-5 ERA, 107-9 whip, which for a guy, he was St. Lucie and then to Brooklyn. It's a very good season. 29% strikeouts, 9% walks, invited to the Arizona Fall League through 12 innings there, 3.65 ERA, 23% strikeouts, and 14% walks. But that small sample. Small sample, but you know, the walks and the strikeouts, those will be a little bit more indicative of a small sample, but probably a little bit better of competition than he was facing the minor league season. He's someone, though, who I still think might wind up profiling just as more of a reliever. He dropped out of the eighth round in the draft 2021. It, it could have been a first round pick, but it just. He doesn't have exactly like. He doesn't really have the fastball that you covet as a starting pitcher. It's it's really hard to it's, get it's drafted runner. high. So out of, coming out of high school, he would have been. Yeah. Um, but he because he has the velocity. Yes, he has the velocity. It's just he ended up falling a little bit too because the COVID year killed him. He, he was really, Virginia, right? Yeah, he got, University he got, of Virginia. He got injured in college as well. But he just everyone knows that there's something there. He his, got sli- his slider's it. impeccable, and it seemed like that this that the Mets were really looking for sliders in that draft 2021, where they just took as many pitchers as they could find. Yeah. And his slider is amazing. That slider is a pitch that is going to keep him on top of his prospect list forever, possibly drag him to the major leagues one day. But the fastball, it's, it isn't getting the whiffs that I don't think they thought it would get yet. And that's something that could definitely still be developed, something that could change a little bit, maybe something that moves to a cutter or a two-seam or a sinker at some point. But it's not. It's more of a runner than a rider. Definitely. And with a guy with that kind of velocity, sometimes that leaves a little bit on the bone in terms of development. One guy, though, who I think has the fastball to get into the major leagues one day is Dominic Hamill. Third round pick in that same 2021 draft for the Mets took him, Ziegler, and Vassal. DBU. He went yeah. to, uh, he did a little Juco uh, thing as well. I think he went to Yavapai, which is a Juco powerhouse as well. Yavapai. Yes. Are you sure you're pronouncing that right? Yeah. Yavapai. Yavapai. It's Y A V A P A I. It really sounds Hebrew. Okay. I don't know. I think it's Arizona or California, one of those. With 25 appearances between St. Lucie and Brooklyn, put 119 innings on, which is really good. That's another reason why I think he does have a little bit more of this uh, starter's, uh, 100%. starter's build. I think he's a bigger guy also than Vassal and Ziegler. He's got another big shoulders Yes, guy. yeah, you get, and you got the legs, the, the, the hips, the pitcher's hips. 30% strikeouts, 11% walks, 1.15 whip. He, he just, I think he's the guy who has the best chance to have multiple pitches. His slider is very good, and the curveball and the changeup are coming on. The curveball flashes more than the changeup has, but his fastball has... The, the physics that you want a fastball. The mm-hmm. fastball rise, it rises or appears to be rising. It rises. Basically, it's when you throw a four-seam fastball and you get a lot of backspin on it. So it appears like it's coming up on the hitter, and it kind of even makes it appear faster at times, and he has good extension, so it gets on him. But it gets whiffs. And the biggest thing we see, the difference between pitching prospects, starting pitching prospects who make it and they hang on that starter's line, depending on the ones that fall off, become relievers, is getting whiffs with your four-seam fastball. And his velocity isn't even as good as Vassal's or Ziegler's. It's yeah. not, but the physics are better. And that kind of reminds me of a guy, he's not even as big, but a guy like Zach Allen, who hmm. he had the elite pitches. And the fastball, even though it didn't look that great, it kind of kept him underrated as a prospect for a very long time. But it's what dragged him to the major leagues. Of course, Gallon also has 
incredible command yes. and the curveball developed more than anybody could have imagined. Brent Strom really helped him out too. Yeah, the Brent Strom would be nice, but um, he was good before Brent Strom. No, I know, I know, but I'm saying he yeah. took him to the next but level. The fact that he was able to get whiffs in the zone with a four-seam fastball without elite velocity and without elite size, that is a very big deal. And I think Dominic Hamill is the guy who I'm looking at from this crop of Mets pitchers who's a little bit underrated right now, a little bit unheralded, and who could really be a riser. I mean, that's good. I got You're talking about unheralded guys. I got a couple unheralded pitchers that I did some research on as well that I feel like are super, super interesting in this Mets farm system, which at times is talked about as not really having any pitching depth. So one of the guys is going to be Keyshawn Askew. Keyshawn Askew. 10th round pick out of Clemson, 2021 lefty. Did we see him at the fall league or in Brooklyn? I think we saw him in Brooklyn. I think we saw him in Brooklyn. Year, yeah. I think we, no, well, actually, I don't think so because I think he was in Brooklyn this year. Hmm. I think we've seen the name around. We've, yeah, we, maybe. We're, we're watching the Mets minor leagues a lot. But Keyshawn Askew has been really, really good this year. Tell us about him. Yeah, so in 18 appearances, 8 starts, 5 appearances in Brooklyn, 4 of them starts, 66 in the third innings, 34% K rate, 10% walk rate, walk rate whip at like one basically 1.07 fish with an era under two five which is great and then i saw a crazy tweet from michael mayer back in august that he faced 80 left-handed hitters by august 24th and he struck out 40 of them if you watch him pitch he looks like kind of oliver perez with his arm slot and everything six foot four 190 promising for sure do you know where he went to college clemson i know yeah, i, I really yeah it, it, <laughs> it really hurts me to give anybody from clemson any sort yeah. of props but it is cool though that a guy like that who came out of college and i know he has a plus slider and he's yes. is he a guy who throws from like a no he, one of these he throws he throws like kind of here yeah. he he doesn't arm it's slide. weird when he's six foot four you think he would Bad use his height classic. more but yeah. he he's more of like that Sidearm three quarter slot. All right, so I mean, like think of Oliver Oliver Perez. I yeah. feel like they look really similar. And it's been sinker, two seamer, slider. That's it's a good way to get to the major leagues quickly. Another guy that's really interesting is going to be Grant Hartwig, which I feel like John, you've brought that name up to us before a few times during the regular season. That is correct. Yeah, Grant Hartwig's had a really interesting year. He was signed out of Miami of Ohio as a twenty four year old, so he was not drafted. Six five two thirty five. This dude's a unit. Was that the twenty twenty draft? That was a short one. Or no, was... I think it was twenty after twenty twenty one. I think they signed him, um, or maybe even after this year. I don't I'm know. Whatever it was, six foot five two thirty five, and he has been nasty in relief this year. And he pitched at every level. Thirty nine appearances, fifty six cool. and two thirds innings, one point seven five ERA, a WHIP at one point zero nine, thirty five percent K rate, ten percent walk rate, pump in mid nineties. Struggled in the Arizona Fall League so far, but again, you're a reliever. You have one bad outing. Your Fall League's ruined. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was undrafted in 2021. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, so to get value out of a guy that nobody wanted, yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, it just sounds like there's like a guy who's a high probability to reach the major league as a reliever. 100%. It's a big deal. We saw a big reliever, Bri- Bryce Montes de Oca, yeah. get a shot this year. Big Mets, Mets have been finding some big guys, I got to say. I feel like this is also a thing that's kind of been proliferated more in the last few years, where teams are specifically like, you're going to be a reliever, and we know it right now. Yes. Because I feel like traditionally it was like, you're a star there, and you're not going to be a star anymore, and now you should be a reliever. Well, there's one guy that I want to talk about, too, as well. There you go. Eric Orze. Orze? Orze. Orze. have done this Orze. so many times. I, yeah, I think Orze. his pronunciation's on. It's Orze. It's Orze? Okay, yep. Eric Orze. He is a guy who could be in the bullpen next year and making immediate impact. Like we we brought Drew Smith a lot this year as being like a guy who was ended up being really, really valuable in this bullpen. But he started off the year as like, oh, he's gonna be like the captain of the the backup squad basically in, yes. in relief. And I think Eric Orsey has the potential to do that. We've talked about him before, fifth round pick out of the University of New Orleans. You know what I didn't know about him? Tell me. Dude beat cancer twice. What? Mm-hmm. Twice. And I think it was in the same year, mm-hmm. which awesome. is insane. He had testicular cancer in twenty eighteen beat it, then got skin cancer later that summer, beat it. So, I mean, the dude's a fighter, to say the least. And he's a really, really, really good pitcher. 50 innings this year, 33% K rate, 
6.7% walk rate. That's the best K to walk ratio in the Mets farm system. The one weird thing is that he gets hit hard and gives up nukes. I can't wrap my head around it, but... That makes, I mean, that makes sense, you know? I mean, but he doesn't, like... That's the hater. You miss all the bats, and the one time they hit it, it goes. He has like, he had, like, a 2K or home run per nine this year, which is, like, insane. And, like, yeah, high hits, but... We can call that statistically insignificant. Yeah, because when you see 33% K rate and 6% walk rate, I'll take that all day. Yeah. All day. Really good splitter. One one thing about Orzi, and I actually got to spend a lot of time with him um, in spring training last year. Okay. Uh, the nicest dude, the most focused dude, the most nice. humble dude. Love Hell that. yeah. Um, you know, he loves to hear about other people's stories and their battles and talk about his own and so open about it. Uh, but when it comes to baseball and baseball is secondary with Eric Orzi, yeah. if you look at his 2021 stats, that home run to fly ball rate was much lower than it was in 2022. There's a middle ground there that things are probably going to even out yes. at some point. Yeah, no, uh, it's an unsustainable home run rate that he had. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's impossible not to root for Eric Orsi. And like you said, definitely a guy that could be making an impact here at City Field next year. 100%. I can't wait for that because, I mean, every Met fan should be in Eric Orsi's corner. I'm getting a jersey when he comes up. Oh, so. 100%. No, he's a beast. And hopefully we'll have him on the podcast next year hopefully, when he gets yeah. his call up. Cause, and Paisan, I'm assuming. Uh, no, I don't think so. No? I don't know. I don't oh, know. No. He we'll told me he him. loved uh, New Orleans, though. There we go. He went <laughs> from New Orleans to Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. That is crazy. It's a different kind. I mean, of... also be specified from New Orleans to Coney Island. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different. A little different than most of Brooklyn. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Last pitcher guy that I want to mention is a guy who's not on the radar of anybody, it seems like, right now. Jeffrey Cologne. I want you, James, when you get a chance. I'll take a look. You got to take a look at him. Yeah. Been in the Mets organization since 2018, turns 23 next week. He spent this year with St. Lucie in Brooklyn, 19 appearances, 7 starts, seven, 72 and 2 thirds innings. Really, really good year, quietly. Two what pitches f- does he throw, you know? Uh, so I asked Jacob Resnick, shout out to Jacob Resnick. Did you tweet him? Yeah, I, no, I, I DM'd him. Nice. If you guys don't follow him, make sure you do on Twitter, at Jacob underscore Resnick. I asked him about Keyshawn Askew and Jeffrey Cologne, because I can't find anything on Cologne. He said Cologne sits about mid-90s. He's not sure what his off speed is. It looks very slurvy, because okay. sometimes it looks like a curve. Sometimes it looks like a slider. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll say about his pitches. But the numbers are there. 2480 RA, under one whip on the year. Well, maybe maybe that's what the Mets are trying to teach now, that little sweeper thing. Yeah, and I will say this, too. I wasn't sure whether or not he was a starter or a reliever. That was also still up yeah. for debate because of how many appearances he made. He started a big game for the Cyclones late in the year through really? seven innings, put them into the playoffs. That game that they won, he pitched seven innings. I think he struck out eight and gave up like a hit and a walk. They made it to the playoffs because of that. Dude has some life on his fastball. I think Jeffrey Cologne's a guy we're going to keep an eye out for. Life on the fastball is the whole thing. That's what it's all about. Um, there's one pitcher I want to talk about that we talked about a lot last year yeah. who was a rising star in your organization, Joel Diaz, mm. who he ran into some trouble this year getting bumped up to St. Lucie. I think he was still only 18 years old, so still yeah. he's wildly he's young to a baby. level. Yeah. yeah, child. And he's also even only – he's not even a big guy. I think he's like 6'1", 6'2". I think two. he might be, yeah. Yeah. So he, he – is he has a curveball that's like almost plus in like major league style right now. Like it just it not he used that pitch to completely annihilate the DSL, some of the best stats we've ever seen a Met have down there. And it was still very effective in St. Lucie, but his fastball is lagging behind. 
Somehow he got more ticks on it velocity wise. Okay. And he still wasn't able to miss bats with it though. Hmm. I think it's just like one of those like just plain old fastballs. Yeah, probably. So it seems like there's gonna be uh it's be you know what? Every single person in the Mets organization, they seem to love him. Yeah. The guys in development love love Joel Diaz. He's very poised, he's very focused, he's very motivated, he's still incredibly young for as far and how good he's been so far. But it's gonna be now one of these great development hurdles. That's probably one of the joys of this whole industry to get this guy to get past this one hump and get to the next level. And People didn't think he developed more velocity, and he already did in the last two years he, without growing. So maybe there's an, even a couple more ticks in there. Maybe the 93, 94 becomes 95, 96 next year. Because it, it was working. It was just 91, 92, and we have so many ways to improve, improve, improve velocity at this point. But he's a guy who I think needed an update because he did struggle this year. Didn't really get many strikeouts. Gave up a lot of the hard hit balls and walked plenty of guys at St. Louis. For sure, for sure. And then to wrap up this minor league thing here, real quick for you guys, just to mention some of the guys in the Arizona Fall League. We have Stanley Consuegra, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I think you want to just say Consuegra. Okay. Yeah. So Take the G out. Sound like that. Yeah. Uh, he's an interesting player, 21 years old. He really hasn't been able to play a lot because of injuries in the past. He's finally been healthy somewhat this year out in the Arizona Fall League. Big pop. Apparently has the best arm in the entire outfield system for the Mets, according okay. to Baseball America. Just keep an eye on him. He has athleticism and all the physical tools to do thing. Now he just has to be able to put it out on the field, which is tough when you've been hurt for the last three years. Christian Scott from the University of Florida. Seems like he's going to be a relief pitcher big probably boy. for the Mets. Yeah, big boy. Good stuff. Sits mid-90s. He's currently starting in the fall league, which is probably just more so to stretch him out just because he didn't get a lot of innings. But keep an eye out for him. And then the last few guys, Kevin Kendall, Troy Miller, Brandon McIlwain, who used to be actually a quarterback at the University of South Carolina was while he, I was there. Did he play? Was he star there? Oh, he started. He, he was a starting quarterback. He played as a freshman. Is it Jim's kid? No, no, oh, okay. no, no. As a freshman, he started games <laughs> for the University of South Carolina. Let's just say this. He's a much better baseball player than he was a yeah. quarterback in South Carolina. Jim McElwain, deep-sea fisherman. Yeah, <laughs> legendary, <laughs> legendary fisherman. Uh, could have been a first-round pick coming out of high school, Brandon McElwain. Wow. Fun fact. I like that. By the dip. Yeah, by the dip. Luke Ritter and Franklin Sanchez. Uh, not a lot on these other guys, though. The fall league has kind of not really been a big priority, it seems like, for the Mets right now. There haven't been a lot of guys getting a lot of action because there's so many guys you have to swap in and out. There's no Jordan Walker. No, there's no Jordan Walker. So, uh, Got a superstar. Take that for what it is. And I think that will be uh, the end of our minor yeah. league wrap-up here. They also they knew we weren't going this year, so you don't want to send the big guys. Yeah, I mean, That's who, we had Beatty. Yeah, we could talk to Beatty last year. I mean, I would have loved yeah. to talk to some guys. but Oh, for sure, everyone. Busy men, busy men. Yeah. You got a job now, James. I know. Capitalist James. Yeah, it's sad. Now, <laughs> to wrap up this episode. John hasn't been here in a long time. No, John's a fair weather podcaster officially. Y yeah, he's, I don't know about I that. I got John tickets to the Ranger game, and then show up for three Some, weeks. Sometimes he comes. Sometimes call, he you doesn't. call me an Islander fan first before we get. <laughs> yeah, you call true. me an Islander fan. No, I mean, you, I mean, you have to. We have to. Be, you have to work too. You can't make any enemies. Yeah, I mean, John definitely doesn't have a, a, a job with the Mets besides working with yeah, us yeah, on the yeah, podcast or anything like that. I root for thirty-one NHL teams. I don't root for the Devils though. I hate them. So <laughs> I'll be honest about that. Wait, are there th how many th NHL teams are 32 there? Thirty-two now. Really? Vegas and Seattle made thirty-two. Wow. Okay. Well, there, that's well, some trivia for me. For a few years. Uh, okay. That is, mm. that is some trivia for me, and I think that's a good way to segue into your trivia, John. Oh yeah. That well, you have for us. Yeah. Well, it's World Series time. Obviously, unfortunately, our team isn't in it, but World Series still a great time of the year. Um, what is, what's it called when all four sports leagues are going at once? Uh, the, uh, we talked about we just talked the about cornucopia. It. No, no, it's, it's not. Like I was going to call it the cornucopia. It's not, it's not the nexus. nexus. No. It's something else. It's the. Um, I was just thinking about this. The you know, Vito. No, I have no clue. Okay. Uh, right. it starts with a C, but I don't know it. Continuum. No. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we got all sorts of <laughs> ideas, but anyway, that's this time of the year, and it's a great time of the year. But yeah, I was thinking, hey. Uh, estimate 
Sports Equinox. The Sports Equinox. Oh, there Sports Equinox. Equinox. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we had you guys do the estimate, which, by the way, we are going to have the payoff for that coming up soon. Better so, be. Yeah, oh, cold. Yeah, oh, cold don't, oh, don't worry. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be officiated. I'm getting the stripes out. Nice. Um, oh, but, yeah, figured a little trivia, always fun. We'll do World Series theme this time. Maybe okay. we'll make this an off-season thing. So yeah. I'm going to ask you guys 10 non-Mets World Series questions. Then I have 10 Mets World Series questions for okay. you. So, so what we're going to do is you, if you guys know the answer, just shout it out. Just you shout it out. Right? Okay. You yeah, got a point. Cool. If you right. get it wrong, you got a minus one. Okay. Ooh, okay. Penalties. All right. So here we go. We're just shouting. We're not slapping. We're just shouting. Just shout it. Okay. And uh, yeah, Vito, Taylor over there, if you want to be a ref and, you know, we might have a I think a, it might be Vito. Taylor is busy with the cameras. Uh, he's <laughs> doing a great job. All right, here we go. Question number one. Who was the first World Series between in 1903? Oh, geez. That's not correct. <laughs> That's not correct either. Okay. <laughs> um, it's not even worth guessing because I just straight up. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a clue. We're out on clue. that one? Yeah, out on that one. All right, the Boston Americans and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, never in my life would I have guessed the Boston Americans. All right, I want to start you guys off with an easy one. Okay. Yeah, an easy one. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> Are we going to get a single one? Number two, what pitcher has the most World Series victories all time? Ooh. Oh, I'm, I'm just gonna give you a clue. Yeah, you gotta think Yankees. Okay. Yeah. No. yeah. Eh. Uh, Don Larson. No, minus one. Damn. I might as well throw a guess now. Um, was Don Larson? Roger Yankee? Clemens. No, minus one for both of you guys. Mm. Whitey Ford. Oh no, that's who I thought I it was. was. I was gonna to say Whitey. I didn't uh, want to say it. Damn Whitey. It. Oh man, okay. I mixed him up with Don Larson. That's all right. You, yeah. you threw the perfect game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what player has the most World Series hits all time? Yogi Berra. Correct. Oh, that was a good guess. That was smart. Yep. That was smart. Back to zero, baby. Okay. All nice. right. Question four. No, question three. The <laughs> World Series was canceled two times in baseball history. What were those two seasons? Oh, what year? Oh. 1990. This is the easy one. Oh, 1994. That's one yeah, of them. I know now, that what's one. the other one? I don't know the other one. There had to be like a war. There is no war. <laughs> <laughs> I know the range, but I, I, I just I don't want to guess and lose the point. Give me half a point. Yeah, I'll give you half a point. I'm just going to call that a void, sort of like uh, uh, the Diaz. I mean, unless, unless Mark thinks half a point's good. No, I'll give him half a point. All right. Well, the other, the other one was 1904, the New York Giants. Yeah, they protested, yeah. and they were like, we're not, we're not showing Never, up. Never, yeah. Get that. Wasn't there another strike short year in the 80s? Yeah, but I think No, there was a split season in 81, yeah, yeah, but they, okay, they played yeah. the World Series. Um, okay, question number four. Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016, as we know. Prior to that was 1908. Mm -hmm. Who'd they beat in 1908? Oh... New York Yankees. No. Dang it. Okay. Boston Red Sox. No. So that nullifies. It was the Detroit Tigers. Okay. Oh, wow. All, All right. right. Shout out to the Tigers. What team currently has the longest World Series drought? Uh, Cleveland Guardians. Correct. Let's yeah, go. So one and a half to one. Nice. 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 I'm on the board, baby. <laughs> All right. This one's going to be a tough one, and I don't even know how we're going to really officiate it. Okay. But name the active franchises that have never won a World Series. Bang. Colorado Rockies. That's uh, one. Yeah, I don't need to buzz in. No, Rockies. no you've, been, you've been doing Texas yeah, Rangers, I don't know why I've been doing Texas that. Rangers. Yes, Texas Rangers. San Diego Padres. Yes. Uh, Cleveland. No, I lied. Don't say that one. Uh, how about the Seattle Mariners? Yes. How many more are there? I think there's two more. There's I don't. More? I don't. Yeah, there's two. I haven't heard you guys say. You haven't heard us say. Uh, maybe you did say. How about them. the Tampa Bay Rays? That is one, yes. Mm -hmm. And the how, other one I was surprised by, but then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, no, they haven't won a World Series. How about the 
Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Ooh, I should get a point for that. I had more I answers. Mean, oh, I think we just had three. I had four there. Excuse me. I don't know. I had four the Brewers, there. That's, that's a tough one. They've yeah. only been to one World Series. That's kind of crazy. That, that is, crazy. is crazy. They blew it in 2018. They did. Okay. Point to Mark. What pitcher Half a point. Okay. was on Sorry. the mound when the Red Sox ended their curse in Keith 2004? Oh. Okay. That's correct. Dang Bonus. It. Who made the last out for the Cardinals that year? I'm not going to guess a random player. Uh, it, do I lose a point if I guess on a bonus? No. Uh, no, no. Oh, but you so, can get a point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, throw it out there. Oh, Yadier Molina. No. Scott Spezio. No. Okay. Albert Pujols. No. David Eckstein. No. Jim Edmonds. No. We're just going down. Yeah, <laughs> who was, who was it? Edgar Renteria. Oh, okay. Right. Chopper okay, back yeah, to the mound. Doug Mankiewicz for the base, bonus right? pocket. Doug Mankiewicz. Two and a half, two and a half to two. Yeah. Yep. Two and a half to one and a half. All right. Who was the last player with a walk-off hit to clinch a World Series? Ooh. So not just a walk-off hit in a World Series game, but to win the whole enchilada. That's uh, – I got it. Be- uh, Luis Gonzalez. Yes. Nice. Good one. Was Against say the that. great Mariano. Yeah. Mm. Tough Who, one for the Yankee yeah, fans. Yeah, that one. That was rough. It's a shame. Um, and here's our last one, and this is kind of just a gag. How many days has it been since the Yankees last played in a World oh, Series God. game? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're ending on a tie. A while, yeah. <laughs> All right, time. so we're a tie halfway through. With yeah. just, now the answer, by the way, one. is 4,745. It's been a while. It's a good day. That is a long it's been, time. It's a good amount of days. I All like right. that. And tomorrow will be one more. That's <laughs> right. And this is on November 1st, so and there will be day. one more tomorrow yeah. and the next day. All right, now the we get into day. Mets World Series trivia. First question, how many World Series have the Mets been in? Uh, Five. Yes, Damn. that is correct. I had to count. It is five, yeah. Yeah, people forget about 73. Yeah, I know. Everyone forgets yeah, about 73. I was like, I know it's four, but what's the fifth? And right. Yogi, shout out Yogi. And Yogi, well, Yogi, apparently, I mean, people have issue with what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but he was there. He was, he there. was there. Okay, <laughs> what pitcher has the most World Series victories in Mets history? Kuzman. Yes. Oh, Ooh, man. Baby. James, crushing James quick. it. I'm, I'm thinking too much. I got to throw out names. Nah, those, those, those are easy ones. You can't react to those? What kind of Mets historian are you? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who led the Mets in hits in the 1969 World Series? Cleon Jones. Nope. Ooh, okay. Uh, take a point off for him. Mm-hmm. 69. <laughs> Let's go with... Led the team in hits, huh? I don't got to guess. No? I'm not guessing. Nah, I don't, I don't think... I'm I not really confident was, enough. I I'm going to really lose a point. And I'm happy to just be tied with James right now again. No, no, I'm up one. You just lost the point because you got that one wrong. Yeah, but I got two and I lost one. So All I right, one. whatever. They'll figure it Check out. Check history or math. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, the answer is Ron Swoboda. Never would have mm-hmm. guessed him. That was, right. was the other guy who was in between. Now, who was the MVP of the 1969 World Series? Cleon Jones. Nope. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was Cleon Jones. Yeah, see? I thought it was for He sure. did it at 340 that year. He had a great series. Yeah. I want to talk about the series he had. Great season. He was incredible. <sighs> Man. And he caught the last out. He did, yeah. It's true. Who was I'm it? done guessing, but was it one of the pitchers? No, it was Don Clendenin. Oh, yeah, Don Clendenin. Tough yeah. one. I mean, you know, these are tough, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course, of course. Okay. Who was the 1986 World Series MVP? Ray Knight. Yes, good oh, one. Damn it, you beat me to Up it. three. All right. So you can, your, your magic number is like two here. See, I'm. I'm <laughs> it's, been, it's happened before. I'm a visual trivia man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has no, you're usually before. good when we do the trivia like on the show, just without keeping score. Yeah, usually way better at that than me. It's past my bedtime. All right, the Mets won. Unfortunately, one <laughs> game. Time you wake up, the time you go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> the Mets won one game in the 2000 World Series. Yeah. But who was the winning pitcher in that game? Rick Reed. No. Yeah, <sighs> I think he started it, but he was <sighs> not the That's winning pitcher. That's unfortunate. Oh, I don't know. I really felt good about Rick Reed. 
I mean, you were four. You should remember it. I know I should. But if it's gonna be a reliever, <laughs> who else was a reliever? No, <laughs> if it was Armando Benitez, I'm gonna be sick. He got the save. Okay. I don't got it. Johnny Franco. Uh, All right. Yeah. I guess it's your uncle. Yeah. 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 That's all. All right. Here's a good one. Who has the most hits in Mets World Series history? Think Ooh. about it. Think about it. Hits in Mets World Series history. Think about it, he says. Think about it. Well, I'm just saying don't rush an answer out there. Okay. Uh, Logically, I I'm going to go Ron Swoboda. Nah. Okay. <laughs> 69-73. I thought so. That oh, the, the key, yeah, the key yeah, is it's got to be a 73-69 match. Yeah. I don't remember who else on those teams. I believe Cleon was off the team before 73, if I remember correctly. I'm going to gift a hint. Sorry, Mark. You can guess again. <laughs> what the hell is that? You're yeah. losing yeah. You can get it back. I'm losing, so. Catcher. Oh. Oh, uh, Jerry Grody. Yeah! Yes. <laughs> I was thinking Mackie Sasser, and I knew it wasn't him. No, it was definitely <laughs> I not know, Mackie Sasser. I know, I know. But that was... Oh, is that a four or five point lead? I think we might be cash. Yeah, don't worry about we it. We have three questions left. Mm. Okay. Take them behind the barn. <laughs> Two players are tied for the most home runs in Met World Series history. Who are they? Most home runs in Met World Series history. With three. With three. Uh, how about... Give me... Oh, man. I'm trying to think about 86. Someone would have had to have a big series, though. Was it Ray Knight in 86? No. Nope. Mm. Okay. 69-73. Give me... Uh, running game seven, too. Give me Cleon Jones. No. Okay. <laughs> the other guy who you almost, who you should have guessed Ross earlier. No. Nah, uh, Don, Don Clendenin? Oh. <laughs> yeah, he was just heard he was Don the NBA. But so the other one, you guys actually should know. Okay. Uh, Wait, what? The other one with three home runs, you guys oh. should know. Was it Michael Conforto? No, he only had two. Oh. Who else had a big series? Power-wise. People forget about his leadoff home run in game five. Bryce Cranston. Yes. Oh. He also home run in game one. Ooh, that's a good sneaky one. That is such a sneaky one. It's such a sneaky question. Yeah, three homers in that World Series. Hard to remember when they lose. Yeah. yeah. I just just block it out. Yeah. I I don't really want to think about it. I ignore that whole series in my brain. Like, I internalized it, and I just, it's like compart- I saw, compartmentalized somewhere, saw, like, deep in the saw Cespedes drop that ball, and I said, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I cried in public uh, on Halloween. How old were you? Uh, a couple years I older was, than us. Like yeah, 24? I was out of college. I mean. You were too old to cry, I think. No. Yes. Dude, no. I dude. got I got pretty sad after we lost. I was kidding? sad. No, I cried in g- game four was the night. I was there for yeah. game five. I was numb at that, that point. I was here at game five, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, I remember Tartola. my wife, girlfriend at the time, was like, yeah, let's go out. A Halloween costume. I'm like, leave me alone. It's game four. <laughs> and she got what she she got what she got asked for. She got yeah. an unhappy John. And you guys and <laughs> can imagine how that went. That must be fun. Imagine that. <laughs> That's your wife. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> She's not listening, is she? <laughs> <laughs> we broke Taylor. John broke Taylor. <laughs> All right. Before Mookie Wilson's grounder that went through Buckner's legs. The Mets were down we've to their last out. This. Three yeah. guys had hits to keep it alive. Oh, we've talked about Who this. were they? Hernandez, Gary Carter. No, Keith Hernandez went into the manager's oh, office. Gary Carter. Gary, definitely Kevin Gary Mitchell. Gary Carter. Kevin Mitchell. Yes. Who's the third? Mm-hmm. Who was the third? Uh, oh, it had to be Ray Nice. Scored the run. Here comes Knight and the Mets oh, yeah, win it. Yeah, yeah. It has to be Ray Knight, yeah. yeah. Oh, we got that one, though. It was there a team go. effort. Good job. Team effort. Good work. It. All right. Last one. What Met made the final out of the 2015 World Series? Oh, John, this is painful. It's not even in my Wilmer brain. Flores. Yep. Oh. And yeah. Drew Butera, who the Mets traded for Luis Castillo, was the catcher that caught that final strike. I know. Bartolo, it was, it was pitched, like a five-run game. Bartolo pitched the last inning, I believe, as well. 
I think Bartolo. For the Mets? Yeah. Well, I remember Christian Colon had the go-ahead hit. Yes, but was I think Colon Bar- on Colon. No, it was Addison Reed. No, yeah, but Addison I think got Bartolo. The I think got the came uh, in and like yeah, cleaned gotcha. it up Why'd at you the say end. That? Why do we have to close like that? Well, how about we close on a happy note here, John? Someone recognized you at the gym today. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Shout out Dan. Um, I there didn't I am. Through this whole hour fifteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he saved the very best for last. Yeah, there I am at eight a.m. Just trying to wake up. Working on the old pythons here, and um, that killed John's mic. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, in wacky hours, comes comes up to me, gives me a fist pound, and uh, yeah, he said that we helped him get to the wild card and loyal listener um, the entire season. So shout out Dan, appreciate you saying hi this shout morning. Out, Dan, Thank Dan you, you got to see how this went to his head, right to his head. Recognize oh. John. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Recognize texted us immediately. I know. Let us know. Well, was just really- so I, I wanted to make sure that we got <laughs> no, we gave Dan his due diligence. Make sure everyone knows that John got recognized Thank God. today. John well, I'm not. Recognized. I'm not Mark. <laughs> no, I'm not Mark. <laughs> not, not everybody can. Go to a game with Mark's on. insane. <laughs> it's funny when people also like don't know and like we go like we hang out with them at games. Like what? The, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's interesting. <laughs> My mom that one time. Yeah, this is unbelievable. No, it is. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. And hopefully we get more of that next year. For sure. Wrap up the episode here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, watching to a long episode uh, but we owed you one we owed you one we've been so short recently yeah. hopefully you guys enjoyed it next episode World Series should be over and we will talk about the offseason two nothing Phillies by the way Bryce Harper two run home run shut up John oh. we're trying to end the podcast <laughs> follow us on all our social media at Mets Up on Twitter Instagram and TikTok YouTube channel New York Mets YouTube channel and if you like what you're listening to here Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts Odyssey wherever you get us drop us a rating drop us a review follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. Me at Giraffnik Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching, and we'll catch you next time. Peace out. Peace out, guys. See you next time. Go Strohs. Get up. Get, get up. Get up. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.